welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Praise God. Good morning. It's good to be here with you today, and we uh, look forward to this day for a long time. We're so excited to be with you. We've been praying, and we do trust that God has a word, uh, and the Holy Spirit is going to bring utterance for His purpose and for His plan to be accomplished. Amen? And uh, we just love Pastor John and Carla, and uh, just been able to connect over the years and being over here for some meetings with Keith Moore and for Mark Hankins and Mark and Mark is my brother-in-law. Trent is my sister. And uh, so um, that's kind of, people don't know who I am, but they know who my family is. And uh, they actually sang, uh, they were very musical in high school, but I was seven years behind all of them and my siblings. And so they, they were known as the singing Beermans. And, uh, and then there was Scotty, and it's me. So I was too little to sing with them. And uh, so a lot of people didn't even know who, that I was around. And uh, so, but uh, um, I'm thankful for heritage. I'm thankful for family and for what God does, uh, is doing uh, through people, through their families. And um, this church has been such a blessing and an inspiration. It's, this is such a cool place. But I'm f- so thankful for how God is using this church and this community to be a, a voice, to be a light, uh, to be a witness. And um, we can see how God has positioned this church uh, to be a voice, just like with what's coming up uh, next week with uh, the school board. These things are so important. The church has been silenced in the past. Uh, and been intimidated not to say anything, but it is our right, not just uh, as Americans, but as, as light in this world, as Christians, as born-again believers, redeemed. We are called to be light, to be salt, to make a difference. Amen. And it's our role. And uh, so um, thank you for having us today. It's a very much a uh, privilege and an honor uh, you know, when you get to, to minister in a church on a Sunday, there's only so many Sundays in, in a year that pastors have. And this is a big deal. So we've really, uh, you know, we've been praying and we trust that uh, God has something special for you today. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, we pastored a church, just as, as Pastor John mentioned, we pastored for uh, 17 years. We planted a church in Wisconsin. We've lived overseas. Uh, we've uh, been able to do missions work, um, do missions here in, this, in the States as well, worked with Teen Challenge. And uh, we found ourselves in a transition about six years ago where we were g- going to um, transition from pastoring to doing missions-based work, that uh, ministry that my dad and mom started probably over, it was about 25 years ago. And uh, they're getting up in their an age up in their 80s, and uh, were not able to travel like they used to, yet they had had such a network, uh, such great relationships with people all over the world, in Asia, the Middle East, Africa, 
South America. And uh, we just really felt God was directing us to, to take what they had started and to continue on like a relay race. And uh, so we, we did that about six years ago. We took the baton and now we're going into other parts of the world. And uh, it's interesting what God is doing. You know, God is moving here in the United States, but you know God is moving in these emerging Christian nations. Yes. Do you know that right now the, the fastest growth of Christianity is in Iran? I'm sure some of you have probably heard that. Maybe uh, not on the news, right? Probably not on the news. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the second fastest growth of Christianity is in, was in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, now these Christians have been dispersed. They've been spilled out into these surrounding Muslim countries. And you know what? They're Christians. Amen. They have the witness. They have the spirit of God. And so, you know what? Whatever the enemy has meant for evil, God can turn it for good. Amen. Just like that song. And uh, we're going to see a harvest like never before. The enemy would like to get you really distracted with the negativity and not see what God is doing in the world today. And there is a harvest fulfillment of scripture. Revelation seven, nine declares that there is a time where you and I will be around the throne of God and there'll be a cloud, a great crowd of witnesses, a, a company of people that the, we could not number just so many people out of every tribe, kindred tongue, every nation. And they're all worshiping God around the throne. That, that's that's going to be a reality. And you and I are going to be among them. Amen. And there's going to be all kinds of different looking people and different ethnic groups and different skin color. There's no racism. Amen. It's just everybody around the throne of God. And uh, But, you know, we still have a job to do. Amen. And so our job is to go into all the world and preach, proclaim the gospel to every creature. And uh, so Sue and I have been just on a, an adventure. We've been able to do some really exciting things and go into some different countries. And um, Sue has been such a blessing. She's my, my partner, my, my buddy, and um, just uh, so thankful to have her as my wife as we, we've been able to just do some, step into some new areas of faith and seeing some great things happen in some nations that have been some of the most unreached nations in the world. Amen. Amen. So um, I, I'm a big picture person, so I like to see the big picture. If I see all the details too quick, then I get, ugh. So I need the big picture, and then I can get into the details. So the big picture church is it about the king and his kingdom. And our purpose is to advance his kingdom on the earth. Amen? And bring as many people as we can in to his kingdom. And so um, we live in such an amazing time. It's, it's kind of surreal on one hand, um, but when you look at scripture and where we are in God's timeline, it's an exciting time. Eight billion people alive on the earth today. We have never had that many people alive on the earth ever in all of earth's history. Think about it. The biggest harvest that ever has been is before us. Amen. 
And so we hear everywhere we travel, here and overseas, we hear the Spirit calling, all hands on deck, all hands on deck. Every believer is important, has a part to play in God's mission. Amen? And so one of my most favorite scriptures recently, it's all, it's all so good, isn't it? So my favorite scripture changes every so often. But my recent favorite scripture is um, 1 Corinthians 14. And it says, above all else, pursue love. And I think, okay, that keeps it simple for me. Above all else, pursue love. And you think about it, he is love. The Father, he is love, right? And not only is he love, but his love has a target. And it's mankind. It's us, amen? And everyone. And so a couple years ago, I just want to encourage you in this. Is, is that, you know, we've been in ministry and boy, you know, you can just in life, whether you're in ministry or not in ministry, we're all in ministry to some degree, right? Because we're on God's mission. But you can sometimes get a little burned out or kind of get a little um, hurt from people <laughs> in the world. And, and um, I, I noticed that my love... For, for God's target of love wasn't where it needed to be. Has anybody else ever felt like that? <laughs> and I said, love, I said, God, I know that your love is what they need. Your love is powerful. It, it never fails. That's what the scripture says, that his love never fails. And I said, and I know you've given it to me. It's shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit, but I need to grow in it. I need to walk in it more. I need your heart for people. I don't want to, I can't do it in and of myself. I need you. And, and so I started pursuing him in the love walk. And, and so, um, I started to pray a simple prayer, like, Lord, give me your heart for people. Just simple. Give me your heart for people. Help me to see them as you see them, as precious and valuable. And I noticed the Holy Spirit started showing me things, showing me my heart as I started to pursue him on areas that I needed growth in, (laughs) like at the checkout at Target. (laughs) And, um, and showing me that I had an internal bad attitude. Now, you would think that I would be all good on the outside, you know, but the Lord knows our hearts. And, uh, and so my parents raised me well, so I was, I was being, you know, kind on the outside, but on the inside I was having an attitude about a checkout lady. <laughs> and the Lord just put his finger on it. And I started going, forgive me, Lord. She is precious and valuable to you. And that's the heart. I want to work out of the Father's heart when I see people so that I can take every opportunity to show his love. Amen? To others. And to be a light, to be an encouragement. Amen? And so, boy, it has been so fun of a journey to pursue him and his love and then to show that to people. And I, you know, sometimes I still miss it but I'm pursuing it. I'm going after it. And I, I've been going in areas in his love that I haven't been um, before. And it is so fun. It's agape adventures. And I love it everywhere. Every day is a new agape adventure awaiting 
us as the church. Amen. So, okay, I was supposed to give you a report. So I'm going to do that really quick about um, Beerman Ministries' mission of life. And we've had the weirdest year um, of not being able to do our usual stuff, but God, um, you can't stop. You can't stop God. You can't stop the gospel from going forth. Amen. And so um, uh, Scott and I, the Lord a couple years ago really put on our heart a focus scripture. And it's in Matthew 24, 14. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. And that, that whole uh, Matthew 24 is talking about end times. And, you know, it's uncomfortable. We see a lot of stuff going on in the world that is not great news. But God, and verse 14 says, Yet through it all, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed over all the world. Proclaimed all over, sorry, all over the world. Providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after that, the end of this age will arrive. And so that has become our motto, our theme in what God has called us to do. That word nation in the Greek means ethnos, which also means every people group. And we know um, through the technology that we have today, we know that there is about 17,000 unique people groups on the earth today. And out of that 17,000, there are still 7,000 unreached people groups. That means that they are in an area with no access. Like in America, you can go to Walmart and see Bibles. You can turn the TV on and see um, Christian radio. There in these unreached areas, they do not have access. And so that has become what the Lord has put on our heart for Beerman Ministries. Um, and how we do that is God has given us a strategy in 2 Timothy 2.2, training up the indigenous believers in these nations that are close um, proximity to unreached people groups, so like in Nepal. So Nepal has over 250 different people groups, over 100 different languages. Amazing, right? And so for the Nepalis to cross borders, you know, close by is not as hard for them as it is for us. So God's strategy is to train them up, multiply the workers for this huge harvest field and, and bring in the harvest. And so last year during the lockdown, they were locked down. And just so you know, in countries like Nepal, third world countries, when they've been locked down, many, 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 many of the people live every day their laborers to feed themselves for that day. And they have been not able to. In the first couple months of the lockdown last year, we had reports of many suicides because people were so hopeless. Um, you know, they wouldn't let them out. They couldn't get out. They don't have savings accounts. Um, so we were able to bring aid and our pastors would have to sneak out in the middle of the night and deliver rice and beans. And, um, so praise God that they were able to do that. Um, but they also still go out into the very remote areas to share the gospel. So the cities were really locked down, but in these remote areas, they were still able to move around and they planted, are you ready for this? 33 churches last year. 
in the COVID lockdown. <laughs> Praise God. And so we just got word from one of our, um, one of our guys that goes out, uh, Namwell, and they're going out with, he trains young, young Nepali believers to go out with him and witness, share the gospel, bring people to the Lord. They do water baptisms. I love the pictures. Sometimes they're, the water baptisms are in tarps. They fill with water. Wherever they can get water, sometimes they're on rooftops and water tanks. Um, and so God is moving. And uh, so, so if you think about it, pray for them, you know, that God would just make the roads open to them. Um, so many wonderful things. We're going to show you a little video that'll give you a little flavor of what we're doing. Um, but God is moving in the earth today. And every believer has a part to play um, in reaching those unreached. We can all pray, right? And, and then, of course, giving so that we can help to mobilize these believers to go out and do the work of the Lord. Um, but prayer is so important. Prayer is the first work and the ongoing work of all missions work. And so we need prayers. Um, there's a great little um, app, and I'm going to just share it with you. You can write it down. It is so amazing. I spend hours it's called joshuaproject.net, like fishers of men, net, joshuaproject.net, and it has an interactive map with little red dots that represent where the unreached people groups are. You can press on a red dot and it'll bring up a box. Does anybody know of joshuaproject.net? Okay, so you press on the red dot, it brings up a little box, gives you the stats. If there's any, you know, translations of Bible, if there's any work going on, what the prayer needs are, how to pray for them. Um, you can get it on your phone and it'll pop up every day an unreached people group for that day to pray for. Isn't that cool? And so we are seeing so much progress. When Scott and I started doing missions work 30 years ago, there were how many unreached people groups? 14,000 unreached people groups 30 years ago. And they started to pray. They, you know, make Operation World, the book, every day praying for an unreached people group. Now with the technology is really improved. You can get an app for that. And um, so now today we've cut that number from 14,000 30 years ago to 7,000 unreached people groups. So we're making progress, church. Amen. Praise God. We love you. And it's so good to be with believers all over the world. The church is big. We love to be with the believers overseas. They're precious, precious saints, those that are in the persecuted church. The, the remaining areas of unreached people groups are, are in hostile areas of the world, hostile to the gospel. And so they really need our prayers and uh, for that to go forth. Amen. Aren't you glad that we have the greater one? Amen. Greater than anything the enemy can throw our way. We've got the greater one and we go forward in his name and in his power. Amen. Amen. Let's show that video really quick.
Praise God. Oh. That video was just Nepal. Um, my dad had gone to Nepal back in 76. There were no very, very, very few Christians there, uh, Hindu kingdom. And over the years, Nepal has enjoyed some of the fastest growth to Christianity. Um, you know, nearly 10% of that nation now are Christians. And um, yet still there's so many that, that need Christ and are unreached in areas that are very difficult to get to. Um, but, uh, you know, um, it's interesting how God has opened up doors for us to go to, to different nations as well. Eastern, Bloc, uh, Eastern European Bloc nations, the Balkans, um, the Middle East, Turkey. And um, earlier this year, I got to go to Turkey. And you know that Turkey was, is known as the least evangelized nation in the world right now? Uh, Erdogan has, has expelled missionaries just in the last three years. Uh, he just kicked missionaries out. People didn't live there for... 30 years, and he just said, you're out. You've got a month to get out. And, uh, of course, then uh, putting people in prison and, and uh, Christians there. It's very difficult. It's, it's a Muslim country, uh, but it's also a very secular country, too. And it's just the combination of that. We see it's right in the center of what God, what's happening in these end times, Turkey. And um, what's interesting, too, though, is uh, in this uh, trip, we connected with Iranians, Iranian uh, refugees. And, um, you know, Iran, of course, they're pretty hostile to the gospel. And Christians, if someone becomes a Christian and the government finds out about it, if they don't get out of the country, it's not good. They will come and they will, they will talk to them. They'll say, you, ha- you have to renounce your faith. And if they don't, they'll put them in prison. And they'll say, you must... Renounce your faith, and then they'll begin to put pressure on them. And, uh, and then if they don't renounce their faith, they'll kill them. I mean, that's the kind of regime that Iran is, and they're very threatened by the gospel. Obviously, the devil's threatened by the gospel. Amen. And that spirit that's behind uh, that in Iran. But you know what? The Iranian believers are, it's, it's precious, It is precious to get around people who have counted the cost to following Christ and considered it a light thing to face persecution to follow Christ. Humbling. It's good to be around people like that. Amen. We need to be people like that. Amen. And uh, but uh, in Turkey, they uh, go as refugees and um, they can be safe there. And uh, so, but a lot of them have lost their, their jobs, their, their careers. They're very wealthy in Iran, and now they're in Turkey, and they're, they're just poor. They're just living in an apartment, but they have such a precious faith. And so I was with them, a small uh, a church in um, a part of Turkey, a, a certain city there. And um, in this small church... Um, these Iranians were gathering for Easter service. I got to preach a resurrection message for them. And they were able to zoom in 200 people from Iran. Uh, and a lady gave her heart to the Lord. We baptized two people in a bathtub after the service. And uh, so it was really, really a cool experience. Um, you know, 
I think it's important for us to realize that world missions, global missions, is all a mandate for each and every believer. Um, Jesus, one of his last words that he spoke to the disciples on the earth, we can find it in Acts 1.8, where he said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had different thoughts about the scriptures over, over the year. I thought, you know, as, even as a pastor, I thought it was a progressive order that you'd be a witness first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and then the uttermost part of the earth, that it would kind of progress. But as I've gotten light on this scripture, I now see that it is something that we are called as believers to be Acts 1-8 believers, to be a witness in all four of these targets simultaneously. You say, well, how, that is, how can you do that? That's impossible to do that. Well, think about this. Your Jerusalem is Grand Junction, Right? Everybody has a Jerusalem, and it's where you live. It's where your, your community is. It's where you do life with people. It's your church. You know, it's in, within the church body. You're, you're to be a witness in your Jerusalem. A Judea would be our nation. It'd be the same, the place of like culture. Samaria, you know, Jews didn't like Samaritans. So there was an a, a ethnic diversity there. There was difference where they, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. And um, Jesus, I don't think it was a mistake. He said, you will be a witness to people who are different than you, that you may not have uh, a desire to be around, that you may have some cultural differences, that you may be prejudiced. You know, we can all be prejudiced, but not in Christ. Amen. We lay all that aside in Christ. But... Um, the uttermost part of the earth are people that are very different. And, it, you know, I believe that God wants us to have a global heart. Amen. And um, sometimes we can get so focused in one of these, but I believe God wants us to be enlarged, to have this, this vision for the world. It's good for you to see these Nepali faces. Amen. As a believer. It's good for you to hear about people in Turkey, in Iran, amen? People that you may never, never meet on this side of heaven. And some of you will never be called to go, but you can still be activated in all four of these at the same time, amen? You say, well, how can that be? That's impossible. Well, it is impossible for us as individuals to be engaged in all four of these at the same time, but you can be a part of the church. That is, Amen. So you being a part of the church, you can be activated in all four, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And we're going to see a harvest uh, in places you're going you're to get in heaven one day, and there's going to be people that you had no idea that you touched. When you were praying in the Spirit, you were praying for them. When you gave and, and finances were directed in some outreach or something, you connected with them and brought in a harvest. You had a part, amen? And I love what C.T. Studd said. He said this, he goes, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. That means if you're global-minded as a believer, as a church, 
you're going to shine bright right here at home. Amen? The light that is thinking globally is going to shine bright at home. Amen? That means you're going to have a heart for people that are lost here, that don't know Jesus here because of the heart of Christ. Jesus, he died on the cross that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He had the world in his heart when he died. He had you and me. Aren't you glad? You know, we're the uttermost part of the earth as far as Jerusalem is concerned. You know? And uh, so, thank God, we're, we're the product of, of the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? And uh, so... God has a plan for you guys. And, and I want to stir you up. I want to stir you up in, in how God can use you and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach people who have been closed off spiritually. Maybe there's strongholds in their life. Maybe they never heard the gospel. Maybe they've been around the gospel, but it's never been revealed. Do you know that the gospel has to be revealed? It means we can't just convince somebody in their natural thinking. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit that comes in and turns on a light. Amen? We're not smart enough to figure this stuff out. We need the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And uh, when somebody is, has never heard of Jesus, they're lost, they need the work of the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. But it's connected with the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. Amen? That's where you come in. That's where this church comes in. We are to be carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes. Ephesians you know, 1, uh, 16 there through 23, the Apostle Paul talks about how the church needs to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. To have an understanding of what God did in Christ in his resurrection, in his death, burial, and resurrection. And that, that has, when, when you can understand, when the Holy Spirit brings that revelation, there is a depth of knowledge that drops into you that brings confidence, it brings faith in what God has done for us in Christ. It gives you the know-so. And what we need as carriers of the gospel is we need to see that just simply sharing the gospel is not sharing man's words. It is sharing the very word of God with people that will produce that kind of revelation knowledge. Amen. I want to tell you this story. Uh, there was a guy in our, that's in our team in Nepal. They're, they tr plant churches. Um, they go with us up into the mountains. They help us do medical camps. We go into villages where there are no Christians and we'll, we'll bring doctors and medical people that will set up this medical camp and then we share the gospel with people. We'll pray for them. We've seen miracles. We've seen all kinds of stuff happen. And, uh, but there's this one guy that was on our team and he's this, just a sweet guy. Just, if he was here, you would just fall in love with him. Just loves Jesus. He's very bold. His name is Bim. And, uh, Bim is from a part of the Himalayas called the Kumbu, which if you've heard of Mount Everest, that's right where that's at. If you, has anybody ever trekked over there or anything? It's, it's amazing. It's, it's the Rockies on steroids, the Himalayas, because they're twice as big. You could imagine driving up to Pikes Peak and just imagine that that's halfway. Yeah. 
And so, um, Bim, he's from this area. And I said, Bim, tell, tell me how you got saved, how you got born again. He goes, well, I grew up in a Christian home. But let me tell you about my dad. He said, my dad, uh, he was Hindu and Buddhist. That's what they typically are up in the Himalayas. And he said, my dad, we were very poor. So my dad went to India to uh, make money. And so he left us. He, he went and went across the border and went down to India. And when he was in India working, he heard about Jesus. And those words penetrated his heart. He accepted Jesus. He became born again and a Christian. Now, a Christian over there is a big deal because it means that you can no longer be a Hindu or a Buddhist. You're really swim, swimming upstream. And uh, so he, he, now he's a Christian. He's just full of life. He's excited. But he's also thinking to himself, how, what am I going to do when I get back home? And how, I'm going to tell my family that I'm a Christian now. Well, he comes back and, you know, he's thinking about all this. But when he comes back, everybody's very sad. They see him, but they're sad. And he goes, what's going on? You know, they didn't have telephones and a way to communicate. And he said, well, your wife is de- is is deadly sick right now she is she's uh, in bed the doctors don't know what's going on with her she's dying and so she w- he went into the house with the the family they're all gathered around just expecting his wife to pass away at any minute and they were just so sad and uh, he was there and he he was starting to feel that that fear and that that darkness and um, but he just remembered this faith in Christ he just received you know and being born again and uh, so he he stands up he didn't have a chance to make this a gradual knowledge but he stood up in front of his family and he said listen I got to tell you something he said I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And these people had never even heard of Jesus. And they're like, okay. (laughs) And he said this, he goes, Jesus said this, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, you shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He goes, I'm going to lay hands on my wife. So he walks over to his wife, lays hands on her and says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Do you know what? She was healed like that. She woke up. She got up immediately. And everybody in the, in the house was like, wow, what is this? What's crazy? And so this spilled out into the village. And people outside, they knew what was going on with her as well. But all of a sudden, now they're hearing, hey, she's okay, all right. She's all right. And they're like, well, how did this happen? And what, what was going on? And, and knowledge of Jesus began to spread in that whole village. Like, who is this Jesus? They prayed in Jesus' name. and This happened. And uh, everybody was amazed by this. Except Bim's father's uh, brother, who was Bim's uncle, of course, he was a witch doctor. And he would try to get people 
you know, do miracles and stuff, but it was all witchcraft. And they would, he would, they'd cut chickens' heads off and use that blood and sacrifice and, you know, very demonic. We saw people in our medical camps that the witch doctors had done stuff with, and they're, they were in bad shape physically. And uh, so Bim's uh, uncle is like, he's ticked off. He's mad because now uh, there was something that took place in the village and he had nothing to do with it. And it's all about making money. He's witch doctors. It's all about making money. And so he was mad. He was encroaching on his business, this Jesus. And, and so uh, Bim's uncle, he knew how to do curses, how to pronounce curses. And he pronounced a curse on Bim's father. The Christian. And you know the curse causes will not come. It'll bounce off. You know, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Any kind of any kind of curse that could be in the earth and sin. And that that it bounced off, but it bounced right back on Bim's uncle. And he felt that curse come on him. He felt it physically and it scared him. And he began to feel the effects and went to the doctor right away. The doctor said, listen, there is something wrong with you. We don't know what it is, but you're dying. And so over time, he went back to his house and he was scared. And Bim's father heard about it and went over to his uncle's house, to his brother's house. And he walked in the door and he said, listen, I know what you did. I know that you plant, placed a curse on me but I know it came back on you. But I want you to know that I laid hands on my wife and prayed in the name of Jesus and she was healed. Do you want me to pray for you? He goes, yes, yes, please pray for me. And so Bim's dad went over and prayed for Bim's uncle and boom, he was healed. He got up immediately and was healed. That curse was broken. You know what? The long story short of this is Bim's uncle is an apostle up in that area. The witch doctor has now planted 15 churches up there. <laughs> Praise God. And you know what's cool? There's not a white person in sight. This didn't have anything to do with race. It had nothing to do with, you know, a superior uh, spiritual plane or something. This was just a believer. Someone who accepted Jesus and the power of God was present to heal. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But see, God wants to use you. This guy never had been to Bible school. He'd never been to, you know, he'd, he'd never uh, studied to be a pastor, to operate in these things. He just had faith. Amen. He just had faith to believe. You know, we see a great example of this. In Acts, the third chapter, where Peter and John went up into the temple to pray at the third hour. And there was a man who was laid up in there. They had carried him there. He'd been lame from his mother's womb. And this was his daily routine to be carried up to the temple. And uh, here he's asking, begging. Have you ever been to a country where there's just beggars everywhere? You know, and uh, I've been to, you know, in places where they've actually maimed kids. You know, they've done stuff to them to make them beggars. 
you know, it's, it's horrible. Uh, but, you know, and this was probably the environment that this, there was probably a lot of people that were begging. And this guy was one of them. This was his health care. This was how he made money. And probably the people, he probably paid people to carry him up there. This was how he was making his living. And um, so he was, you know, he's doing his thing, asking alms and Peter and John are walking by. Can you imagine this? Peter and John going up into the temple and there he is. And all of a sudden, Peter, aren't you, isn't Peter cool? Peter just messed up so much. He would, you know, he denied the Lord. He would lie, you know, he would, he would want to do things in the flesh, you know, and he would just, he was just saying things out of turn. He was full of pride and kind of just gives me encouragement, right? (laughs) So Peter, though, something happened to him. This was after Acts 2. This was after the resurrection. This was after him questioning even the resurrection. Revelation knowledge of what happened in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. He was different. I think we can be different. Amen. We can be like Peter. We can be different. And so Peter's walking along. He, he looks, he stops and fastens his eyes on this man. Now there's something different inside of Peter. There's faith. In the name of Jesus, he had faith. Amen. And so he, he said, look on us. And this guy, he's used to getting money. He looks over like he's expecting to get something, get some money. And Peter, he said, listen, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He reaches down, picks, grabs his hand, and pulls him up. It was Smith Wigglesworth stuff. You know, just grabbing, just grabbing people, pulling him up. You know, that's what he did. And you know, it says immediately his feet, his ankles receive strength. Wow. Praise God. A miracle. Now, this guy didn't know Jesus. Never heard of Jesus. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a Christian. He didn't have understanding light and wasn't born again. Yet Peter looked at him in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. You know, if we could imagine this guy always sitting at the level of seeing people's ankles, wondering what that's like. Knees, ankles, feet moving. He's like, man, I wonder what that's like. All of a sudden, he's up on his feet. He didn't Learn to stand up like our toddlers do. He's up on his feet and he's holding his balance. He's got the coordination. He's like, and he can now walk. He's walking, running, leaping, and praising God. Amen. Wow. I love this story. It says that people... It caused no small commotion. He was shouting. People were amazed. They knew who he was. They saw him. Some of them probably gave him money that morning as he was laying down. Now he's walking. Amen. And they were amazed. And now they come running. 
What has happened? Well, this guy is now holding on to Peter and John. He's hanging on to him. Guys, you changed my life. What has happened? What is, oh man, you guys, are you gods? What is going on? You know, how did you have the power to do this? And everybody came and were looking at Peter and John. And Peter and John said, why are you looking on us as if we by our power or holiness did this thing? It is Jesus who did this. And he preached the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus right there. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is the center of the gospel. Amen? Peter and Paul, in their sermons in the epistles, always preached the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? They heard the gospel. Amen? If you go over into the fourth chapter... It says that 5,000 men believed that day. Amen? That is mass evangelism. And I know, I, I looked on your website, that's a vision of this church, is mass evangelism. People coming to know Jesus on a large scale. Amen? Not few in number, in a large scale. You know how it's going to happen? By believers being believers. Amen. A few years ago, um, well, let's turn over really quick to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Let me read you this scripture. We're seeing these kinds of things. People, Nepalis, um, Muslims, um, different countries. We're seeing the miracles of God that are bringing them uh, to the knowledge of Jesus. Do you have faith that God can move through you to work a miracle? Do you have faith? Amen. We need to believe all things are possible to him that believe. And God could set you up with somebody that needs to hear the gospel, but they need a miracle. And they may need the miracle before they hear the gospel. First Corinthians 15, 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. I like what He says here. He says, I delivered to you what I received. Do you know that you can't give what you haven't received? The Apostle Paul, he said in, in Romans 1, 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. In Romans 10, it talks about how, man... Right at the beginning of that chapter, he says, my desire is that Israel, that, that Jerusalem would be saved. And then he goes into this description of what it takes to receive salvation. Hearing the word of God. 
believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, you will be saved. The 13th verse says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation comes from the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How will they believe if they have not heard? There's people that just haven't heard. Amen? There's a, um, a, a few years ago, there was a pastor in Milwaukee. That was close to where we had our church. And this guy knew these guys. He knew pastors uh, in the area. And this guy, he told me, he said, listen, we're having 80% more healings out, out on the streets than we're doing in, this, in, the, in church. I said, really? Interesting. Well, there's a whole lot of people that need miracles outside the church. Amen? There's a lot of unsaved people outside the church. And so... He, he said, yeah, I mean, we're just seeing some um, really remarkable things. So I, so I said, hey, can, can we go out together, you and I? Let's go out. And so um, in this few summer uh, months that Milwaukee has, you know, the, you're talking Wisconsin, the Green Bay Packers, uh, the Ice Bowl. You know, there's not too much of a summer. Even though the summers are nice there, it's not very, very long but they, he said, well, why don't we go down to the beach in Milwaukee? And yes, there is a beach in Milwaukee on the Great Lakes. And uh, so I, I went down. I said, okay, let's do it. Let's go. And uh, so we met. And uh, I'm, I got beach attire on. You know, I got some shorts and, and flip-flops and a shirt. And, and uh, he comes up, and he's this old-school preacher. He's got this, these um, slacks and his dress shoes and he's got his, his nice shirt on. And I'm thinking, and you're not, we're going to not really blend in here, you know. <laughs> and uh, so he, um, we go out and, and he said, listen, we're, we're going to pray for people and then we're going to minister salvation to them. And uh, we started praying for people and just asking, hey, you know, we're, we're just introducing ourselves for Scott and this is Ted. And, and uh, you know, do you have any pain in your body? And um, a lot of people, very few people were, were close to us. They're very open and said, yeah, would, you know, would you mind if we prayed for you? And he said, no, no, go ahead and pray. And uh, so um, we did this a few times and people got healed. You know, the ankles and, and a knee. And, and then we walk down the beach and there was these four young men they're black guys that were look like they're Division One football players. They were wrestling around in the in the sand and kicking sand around. And we walk up to them, and uh, they looked at us like, "What? Why are you walking up to us?" And um, my pastor friend, he said, "Listen, we're we're here uh, just wanting to pray for people that might have pain in your body. And um, do you, how are you guys doing?" And um, this this. Uh, smaller guy he he um pushed the biggest guy that was there and pushed him just to tease him he goes man pray for this guy this guy's got pain in his body and um he was throwing him under the bus you know just playing with us and uh, so the guy you know the big guy he kind of stumbles a little bit like this and and uh my pastor friend he said really do you have pain in your body and he said yes and he goes my knees he goes, well, which knee? He goes, both knees. And uh, he says, well, can we pray for you? He goes, sure, sure. He says, I'm going to have my friend lay his hands on your knees and just pray. 
And he had told me, he says, you don't have to pray a long prayer. You don't have to pray a long, you don't have to try to explain anything. You just pray for people, right? And so he had me pray. And so I just reached over and touched his knees, put my hands on each knee. I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And so when we stood back and we looked and uh, this guy, he did this. He went down into a deep knee bend and then he came up and he did it again. Except now he went, oh. And every time he came up, he went, oh, like this. And it was really funny. Oh, oh. And he started going faster. Oh, and his friends started laughing at him. It was funny. And he goes, no, guys, listen, my knees are completely better. And he's going up and down. And these guys are looking at him. And as he's going up and down, the guy that gave him a push he goes, well, well, my knee's hurting. Can, can you pray for my knee? And um, so we prayed for his knee. And you know what? His knee, it was a little more gradual. But his knee com- was completely better. Had no pain in it. And, you know, if you can imagine a beach scene, there's music, there's bikinis, there's people walking around, there's partying, there's drinking. All this stuff is going on all around us. And right in the middle of that, God was moving. Amen. And my pastor friend, he said this to these guys. He goes, oh, I forgot this guy. You know, he's doing his deep knee bends. He's over. Oh, oh. And he looks at me like, like I did it. Like just like Peter and John. He goes, do you have some powers? He said, <laughs> Emerson, and Pastor Ted, he said, no, he said, that was Jesus. Jesus healed you. And then he said this, he said, have you ever heard about being born again? And one of the boys, he said, yeah, I've heard about that. And he said something, and it wasn't correct. You know, sometimes people think they're all right. They think that they're saved, but they're not. They're believing in something else. And so he said, no, this is what it means to be born again. And took some time to share about what it meant to accept Jesus as your Lord. To turn from your old life and begin to live a new life. We call it repentance. But it's following Jesus. Don't live the way you used to. Begin to live your life following Jesus. And, he's, and he said, would you like to receive Jesus? And those boys was in a small huddle around us, listening to every word. And as I looked around, all the distractions, I noticed these four boys were not distracted. The power of a miracle grabbed their attention. God touched them. Amen? And they were given their complete attention. And I saw all four of those boys pray and receive Jesus as their Lord right there on the beach. Amen? That's the power of the gospel. That we are not to be ashamed of. Amen? And God wants to use you. He wants to use me. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit Because there are going to be people in our lives 
that are going to, God's going to set it up. It'll be a God thing. But we also need to have the boldness to, to just take that step of faith, to care about people enough to connect with them and share the gospel. Amen? See, we can't have a move of God without the gospel. We can't have a move of God without people hearing the gospel. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that we have all been, if we're a new creation in Christ, we've all been given the ministry, what is it, 18th verse? We've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are a minister of reconciliation. Amen? Thank God that people can come into this house. Amen? And you need to be inviting people. This place should be filled and there should be miracles that are taking place. But you know what? Some of this stuff's going to take place out there. Amen? And we, how much? Well, we need to believe that God's a big God. He'll use you today. He'll use you this afternoon. Amen? You know, there's a lot of things that that we can put our finger on that our nation needs some resolution of this politically or whatever. If we only have some person in office, if only we could get this political party in, in play here in this situation. We understand God works in the governments and stuff. We understand that. But you know what? What the world needs is Jesus. They need the gospel. Amen. This isn't a missionary message today as much as it is as just the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone who believes. Amen. And this is the light that shines the brightest at home. Amen. Your light should shine brightly. A city on a hill. Amen. I tell you what, when God moves through somebody, it's amazing. When God moves through you like this, it's amazing how it grabs people's attention. Spiritually, God is at work. The Holy Spirit is doing a work. Not you being in, uh, you know, someone who's doing apologetics just to convince them in their natural mind. God's there. Amen. And that's what they need. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so, I believe God wants to move, don't you? I believe God wants to use you today. Can we just demonstrate this today? I'd like to just know this. Is there anybody here that has pain in your physical body? Anybody at all? Would you just stand to your feet real quick if you have pain in your body? Okay. Now, everyone who is sitting around, uh, who's not standing, um, look, just look around you and, and identify those people that are standing. And uh, what I would like is for every believer to gather around, those two that are around the ones that are standing, if you would go ahead and stand up and put your hand on them. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Listen, this needs to happen in, in the house. 
as well as it needs to happen outside. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray a prayer of faith right now. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak life and healing to physical bodies right now. We lay hands on these in faith right now. We plead the blood of Jesus. We declare that they are healed and whole and strong in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and say, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be strengthened. Be whole. In, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Now the prayer will save the sick. Mark eleven twenty three and 24 says, when we pray with thanksgiving, let's give thanksgiving now. Let's thank Him in it and just believe we receive it right now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor John, thank you so much for having us today. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 